doing more in 24. Podcasting is hot, and a lot of people are going to be trying to get you to start one that sound a lot like this. Hey there, friend. Are you tired of working for the man? I can help you break out of that jail that is the 9 to 5 and lead you to your life of dreams. Your life of dreams, I tell you. You don't need to be talented, focused, or smart. Just talk into this microphone and money will fall from heaven. From heaven, I tell you. I mean, look at me. I'm on a boat. Look at this PDF that I created using ChatGPT. It took me 15 seconds to create. However, I say it's worth $2,000. This cheat sheet that I made with AI made in nine seconds is worth $7,000. And this personalized video from an avatar that some video tool I'm using made with an AI voice of me is worth $10,000. But wait, there's more. That's right, my friend. Today, you can get the life of your dreams, the life of your dreams, I say, without putting in any thought, doing any work, and with zero discipline. Your success is right around the corner. And pay no attention, please, to the disclaimer at the bottom of the page in the very, very, very small text. You see, your life of your dreams is right around the corner for just three easy payments of yeah i just can't do that and did you know that many podcasts never make it past episode seven and i think the reason for that is they go in with their heads filled with i don't have to do anything and i'm going to make a ton of money and quit my day job and that whole nine yards so i have done episodes in the past about how to start a podcast i've got a podcast kind of launch worksheet that's all in the show notes at schoolofpodcasting.com slash 912 if you need that kind of stuff. But what I want to talk about is launching with realistic, fact-based expectations. And let's talk about this whole YouTube thing. I did a lot of research the past week on YouTube. And I'll kind of talk about like, well, here's what it's going to take if you want to be a podcaster along with being a YouTuber. Hit it, ladies. The School of Podcasting with Dave Jackson. Podcasting since 2005. I am your award-winning Hall of Fame podcast coach, Dave Jackson, thanking you so much for tuning in. If you're new to the show, I help people with an idea. I help them plan. I help the people that know where they want to go. I help them launch. And I help those people that have already launched grow their podcast. And also, if you want to monetize you can do that as well you do have to plan launch and grow to do that by the way my website schoolofpodcasting.com use the coupon code listener that's l-i-s-t-e-n-e-r when you sign up for either a monthly or yearly subscription and don't forget it comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee so let's talk about realistic podcasting with some stats now i realize Man, because I've just i been listening to this book about how your brain works that's just filled with stats. So I'm going to try to make it a little more entertaining than 13%, 14%, 16%, because that's just a total... Yeah, you'll be asleep at the wheel. And so let's get into this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're going to get into advertising and the podcasting space a little later. But I want to start off with what makes a good podcast. I have said all along that if you want to grow your podcast, and this is a crazy idea, it needs to be good. What, what, what? And for me, I define good as something that makes you laugh, cry, think, groan, educate, or entertain. And really, you want to have more than one of those. Let's go a little deeper than that. Because you're like, yeah, 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 Dave, I've heard that. But when it comes to good content, another key ingredient is relevance. It's relevant. When I heard the phrase overwhelm, I was at, I believe it was podcast movement. And I heard four different people say, I feel a little overwhelmed. That's when I created episode 871, overcoming podcast overwhelm, three free tools and a strategy. Why? Because I knew it was relevant to my audience. I'd heard enough people that I'm like, this is something that people are fighting. Now, another one, I think this is going to be even more important in 2024 is authenticity. You have to be yourself. And I realize sometimes that's hard to do because we got a lot of head trash in our head that likes to think all sorts of negative things about us. But no, be yourself because authenticity builds a connection with your audience. 
Don't be afraid to show your personality and your vulnerability. And most importantly, don't let ChatGPT wash your personality out of your show. So many times we take a transcript and then we do this and we run it through this thing. And what do you think, ChatGPT? And yes, it's based on your words, but it's kind of washed your personality out of your show. I have not seen a lot of really funny stuff come out of ChatGPT. And for the record, I'm not anti-ChatGPT. I use it a lot to evaluate content. But that's where I think sometimes if we have ChatGPT evaluate our content and it goes, you should write it like this, you are at risk of washing your personality out of your show. So be careful with that because I think as more and more horrible shows built entirely by AI are going to come on the scene, your humanness is what's going to make you set yourself apart. Storytelling. If you can make a point with a story, please do. I was listening to Bill Hader. I love Bill Hader. He was on uh, Saturday Night Live. If you've never watched Barry on HBO, it's phenomenal. And as humans, we love a good story. My daughter had a big sleepover with a bunch of friends, and I'm usually downstairs watching an old movie. They're upstairs, like, you know, whatever, singing karaoke and, you know, singing Carrie Perry, you know, Katy Perry songs or whatever. And then they came down. I was watching this movie called Jeopardy. Mm-hmm. And then I turned around, and, like, more of these kids are coming in behind me, and they're watching it. Oh, cool. And they're just totally, they go, how's she going to get back to the, you know what I mean? And I'm like... It's that simple, you know? And I came into the edit bay the next day at Barry, and I was like, it's that, it, it really isn't that hard. If you just can, you know, tell a good story, right? that's what it's going to be. And so I get, that's why I get very inspired by that stuff. And so I'll have a link to my favorite book on storytelling. It's called Story Worthy by Matthew Dix. Also, doing your research, that can help make your show stand out. I'll give you an example. I do many podcasts just to test media hosts. One of them is podcasting resources. I do it because I have that show on Buzzsprout and I have many shows on many different media hosts so I can help my clients and help steer them to the best one for their circumstance. And podcasting resources is basically me going to a website, looking at it, maybe playing with it for 10, 15 minutes and then reporting on it. It is not deep at all. There's, you know, a smidge of research. When you do research, you can state your resources when they're available and people want to trust us. And when we show the work, right? Remember when you were in school, you'd have to show the work so that you could prove you just didn't pull the answer from the internet. We show, we put the work in, it can help the listener trust what they are hearing. And we really, really want them to trust us. Another thing you can do is rehearse, especially when it comes to your first episode. If you think about it, athletes have preseason. Authors have many, many, many rough drafts. And so rehearse. I was, uh, I'm playing with YouTube. And again, we'll be talking about YouTube a little later here. And so I'm trying to be able to look at a camera and in one take, record a YouTube video. And I finally made one. Uh, not my first video, but I, I did one using this strategy. It took me seven tries to get this one take. So it looks like I'm perfect. Well, no, that was my seventh try. So practice makes perfect. It also builds confidence. And then something else, depending on your show, if you can try to talk about current things, there are two sides of this coin. If you talk about, like today, I'm going to talk about Spotify here in a bit, the good stuff they're doing and why they're kind of getting blamed for killing podcasting. And we'll get to that in a second. But when you make things that are time sensitive, make sure, you know, you are providing up-to-date information. That's the good news because some people then look you as a trusted source. The bad news is who wants to tune in to hear last week's episode? So if you can have evergreen content, then your catalog of back episodes will get more frequent downloads. I do a show for the town I live in, Akron, Ohio, and I don't expect anybody to listen to a show from two months ago. But if I did a show about dogs, there are plenty of topics that I could do that are evergreen. And so if you 
just heard, and you did, what I just said, I contradicted myself. I said, well, either be providing up-to-date stuff or provide evergreen stuff. And my goal in this episode is to allow you to come in with realistic expectations. And this is where you have to know your why and your who. And I talk about this, if you've ever seen me speak anywhere, I always bring this up. This is the basis of podcasting, or we should say podcasting success. You have to know why you're doing this. Why? Because if you don't get your why, you're going to burn out. And we're going to talk about burnout a little later when we get to YouTube. And you need to know your who, and that needs to be specific. And what I mean by that is if I do a show about, let's say, widows, well, there you go. I've, I've niched down. I don't have any men in my audience now, but there's still a big difference between the 38-year-old widow, uh, let's call her Susan, who lost Ken you know, at the age of 42, and Mildred, who's 95, who lost Harold at the age of 106. Right? There's a big difference between Susan and, and Mildred. So keep that in mind. You have to know your, your who, and you need to know your why. And if you overlap them, that's your what. What can I talk about? That's going to entertain, educate, entertain, laugh, cry, think, groan, etc. My audience while getting them to my why. And that why might be, I want to make money. I want to get the word out. I want to whatever. There are a lot of whys. But you need to know your why because if you don't get it, you're going to burn out. And you need to know your who. And that's why podcasting, while it is easy, I could burp into my phone right now and probably have it in Apple by the time we're done with this episode. That's, it's not hard to make an episode. What's hard is to make really good content that is so good that your audience can't help but tell a friend. And so we talked about content. I read a really good book this year, or actually, as you listen to this last year, (laughs) get it? And uh, the interesting thing about it is the author of the book sent me this cool package and actually sent me free headphones, which was cool. The book is called Listenable. The author is Bert Weiss, and I reached out to Bert in about every avenue I can to say, Bert, I love your book. I would love to have you on my show, and I cannot get a message. So if you know Bert, can you say, hey, Dave Jackson is trying to interview you? And so we've broken content into these bite-sized chunks, laugh, cry, think, groan, educate, or entertain, and the new things I added today. That's content. We know that makes good stuff. However, In the book, Bert talks about you have two components. It is content and it's delivery. And this is where I want to talk about this a bit. If you think about delivery might be, maybe you're not in all the podcast apps. Why are you not in all the podcast apps? I do not understand that. Or you're saying phrases like, find me wherever you find your podcast. And I've told you, that makes it really hard for some people to find your show. But delivery could also be your audio Sounds like you're in a fishbowl in a bathroom with someone frying bacon in the background. It's not good. Your volume is all over the place. It's hissy. It's whatever. There's that. And then there's also delivery. And I realize some people, because maybe I'm guessing, I really am guessing here, that maybe you don't have a lot of confidence in your content. So you've decided to script it out. I get that. Just realize reading a script so it doesn't sound like you're reading a script is a skill. So when we talked about rehearse, you've got to rehearse that. And I would advise you to, like right now, I am talking a little more heightened than I normally do. It's something where I I don't want to go up to obnoxious sports guy, holy cow, but I don't want to really talk like I normally talk, which is probably somewhere around here. But I did just do a dramatic pause. So it is a skill to deliver things via audio so that it's not boring. And what I see a lot with people that script out their entire stuff, number one, my advice is throw out grammar, just throw it out because we do not write like we talk and we do not talk like we write. So write like you talk so that you can add inflections and things like that. And then the other thing is when we talk, we often stop to think about our next sentence because our brain hasn't caught up. When you've scripted it out, you don't. You don't know what you're going to say. And I hear people that have scripted a show and they just keep going on and on and they just go to the next sentence and the next sentence and you're never giving your audience a chance to really have a brain break because you just keep talking. Take a break. 
Throw some inflection in there. Throw in the dramatic pause. Change your tone of voice. You don't have to be sing-songy and go all like this, but I hear a lot of scripted shows that I go, hmm. And this is probably me listening through the ears of a podcaster. Once I figured out that you're reading, there's a part of me that goes, oh, you're not really talking to me. You're talking to me? You know, you're not really talking to me. So that is something, if you're scripting your show, when we talked about rehearsing, I would rehearse that to really make it sound like that. I had a client at the School of Podcasting, and he was really worried about his first episode. And so he sent me the first one, and I said, it's a great story, but man, are you reading this? Great. Comes back again, sends me version number two of episode one. I go, this is so much better. Holy cow. That is great. And, and I said, I, I really can only tell you're reading this in a very few amount of spaces here. He's like, hold on. He goes back, records it a third time. I go, this is amazing. I would publish this. I go, I can't even tell you're reading. And he goes, it's because I'm not. Now, that might not be your workflow, but it ended up being his. Because in general, I don't think we want to be read to unless, and of course, there's always exceptions. If you're doing the news, I expect you to read it to me. At least that's from watching it on TV. But if you think about it, it boils down to making great content and then focusing on the delivery. Make sure it's easy to follow your show on your website. Make sure that it is the delivery. Is it organized? I'll give you some insights. The stuff you're going to hear in about probably 20 seconds was originally the first part of this episode. It's a lot of stats. We're talking about YouTube and stuff. And I'm like, wait a minute. If somebody's tuning in to how do I make a good podcast in 2024, I'm going to bore the pants off of you because we all know stats are kind of boring and I'm going to do my best to not make them boring as I talk about the current state of podcasting, why you should jump in and maybe why you shouldn't. But I thought that's not where my audience is tuning in for because I look at it this way. The title of your episode is your contract with your listener. You're saying, hey, you ordered whatever, a red Mustang. If you show up in a blue Pinto, they're going to be like, hey, what the heck? Right? You said this is a red Mustang or insert your favorite car here. And so this one is about how to make a good podcast in 2024. Hence, I better start off there before we should get into why you should start a podcast and what's going on with podcasting, YouTube, Spotify. I mean, is there even going to be podcasting at the end of 2024? Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, Dave, you said we're going to talk about expectations. How many downloads am I going to get? Well, here's my equation that I like to use. It is the value you deliver in your podcast, which again goes back to the content and the delivery. That's your value. And you multiply that by smart promotion because the whole, if you build it, they will come is absolute crap. Doesn't work. You got to promote your show. That is the number of downloads in theory. That's how I look at it. And so when I went to Buzzsprout, they have a page on their site, and they say the median. Now, if we remember whatever it was, ninth grade algebra, the median is means that 50% get less than this number and 50% get more. And they're looking at how many downloads a person gets after seven days. And the answer was 33. Yeah. And so if you're thinking, I'm going to start a podcast and we're going to probably get 100, maybe 200 listeners, depending, of course, on who you are and what kind of audience you have. And if you're doing a show called, Hey, we're all fat. Yeah. There's a big audience for that. If your show's about black and white pygmy ponies, it's a very small audience. Or maybe you're doing a show about brown sugar, cinnamon, pop tarts, right? You've really niched down. I'm not sure there's a huge audience for that. And then I went over to the podcast business journal which is pulling information from this open source stat tool called OP3. And they basically came down to said, basically, you know, there's 4 million podcasts, the total of 137,000 podcast episodes. If you do the math on that, it's 30.3 downloads per episode. On the feed, which is Libsyn's official podcast, this is what Rob Walsh said. They share this about once a month. This is, again, for all shows hosted on Libsyn and Libsyn Pro. 
The median number for September was 139. That's down a bit, a little bit from August's 145. The adjusted mean slash average, where I throw out the top half percent in any files with three or less downloads, the adjusted mean for September was 1346. And so you might hear that and go, so somewhere between 30 and 150 downloads? Well, it really depends. And the thing I want to talk about here is, in fact, I'll have a link in the show notes where you can go see what other people are getting for downloads. You can actually see their stats because they volunteered this. However, that's a really bad idea. One of the things I started looking at towards the end of this year, and looking back, I kind of go, why wasn't I paying more attention to this before? especially in Apple, but you can do this in Apple, you can do this in Spotify, and you can do it in Amazon. And that is, you can see how far people listen. So people come to me and they go, hey, I got 72 downloads. Is that good? A way to tell if it's good is how far people listen. And as always with podcasting, it depends because somebody may have stopped halfway through when they went to the store or whatever. But it gives you a better idea. Now realize when you're looking at Apple, that's only people that listen on Apple podcast. When you're listening in Spotify, that's only in Spotify, et cetera, et cetera. But it is a way. And so I have looked at that and it's interesting because I've had some shows, some episodes, I guess I should say that are longer that get higher completion rates than some that were shorter. So it's not always the length. Sure. Sometimes it might be, But in the end, if we go back to our good friend Valerie Geller from the book Beyond Powerful Radio, there is no such thing as too long, only too boring. I've heard five-minute shows that felt like an hour, and I've listened to an hour-long show that felt like five minutes. So for me, in 2024, I'm going to be paying closer attention to my completion rate. And for those of us that want to rank higher in Apple charts, I need to be on the charts. My ego needs to just be higher in the charts. Uh, I, that is, that plays into it. How far people listen will move you up the charts. I still haven't got anybody to go, hey, if you're in like the top 100, like what kind of downloads, like what did that do for you? Like when you were at like 101 and you weren't on the chart and then you went to like 98, now you are on the chart. Was there a huge bump? Because now I'm in the top 100. No one will answer that question. And so that's one reason why I don't think you should go look at other people's stats because A, There are better stats to look at. And B, it can be soul crushing when you put out an episode and you spent eight hours on it and you got 47 downloads. And then you see another show that you think is stinky and they got 297. You're like, hey, what do they got that I ain't got? And then you just start, you know, hating life and yourself and you want to go eat worms and die. And I don't want you to eat worms and die. In fact, I went out, we're going to slowly move into Spotify and YouTube here, but I went out and there's a video for this and it's like 30 minutes of advice for YouTube and it really applies to podcasting. And here are just a couple quick clips. So if you're like, when you start a podcast, here's some things to remember. Everyone can have fun making videos, turning it into a job. That's great. But you should be happy making videos, never making a dime off of it. What do you think gets us to a million subscribers? Well, subscribers is an arbitrary number. Okay, that, so a million, that million views of video. No, you should yeah. ask me, what helps us make the best views possible? That's okay. the only question you, you should ask me. Subscribers don't matter. Views don't matter. I mean, they do, yeah. but all that comes. Everything you f- want as a creator comes from making the best videos possible and thumbnails uh, yeah. <laughs> but it's easier to you know make thumbnails the video part's the hard part and that's yeah. the thing that you're known for that's a tip for you guys but also yeah. you guys watching ask how can i make my videos better do that every single day for years and that last voice was from a guy known as mr beast he has 224 million subscribers on youtube His last video, as I look at this, was him locking himself in solitary confinement to see if he would go absolutely nuts. So that's the guy that's saying, how can you make your next video, or in our case, the next episode, better than the last one? And why I wanted to kind of bring him in here is I see people, because again, they've been sold hope for three easy payments, going to quit my day job. Look, I am kind of stuck here 
Because if I say, no, it's going to take you years if you're starting from zero, depending on your budget and things of that nature, but it's probably going to take you a while to grow your audience if you really want to monetize. And for the record, I always want to remind people, you don't have to monetize. You can get paid in fun. You can get paid in relationships and opportunities. You don't have to monetize your podcast. You can just do it for fun. It's, in some cases, the cheapest therapy on the planet. And if somebody gives you gruff about it, just go, hey, Dave said I don't have to monetize. Feel free. Point them right over here. And when we do, when we come out of the gate with no audience and we want to monetize, you monetize by selling things, whatever it is, your stuff, other people's stuff, whatever, you are selling things to your audience. And if you don't have an audience yet, you get frustrated because you're not making any money and yet you're putting out all this work. And that is my goal here is to help you avoid burnout. And since we just heard Mr. Beast, let's dip our toe into the YouTube kind of water here. And I want to say up front, I'm not anti-YouTube. I plan on boosting some of my activity on YouTube this year. What I hate to hear though, and I'll I'll play both sides here is I can't start my podcast because I don't want to be on video. That makes my heart break. There are many, many great podcasts that are audio only. And yes, you can do that. In fact, there are more opportunities to listen than there are to watch. I can't watch your podcast while I'm driving, while I'm walking the dog, while I'm doing the dishes. There are more opportunities to listen than there are to watch. And in my own kind of experiments and looking at things, Audio got five times, at least five times more downloads than the videos. And that's hard to say because if you sniff a YouTube video, they count it as a view. It's really weird. But again, I'm trying to make you start with an informed decision with enough knowledge to go either I'm going to do that or not. Now, on the other hand, so you're saying, Dave, I shouldn't be on YouTube. Well, my friend Jim Collison last week on Ask the Podcast Coach said this, and I was like, that's really good. I do know this. If you don't put it on YouTube, you're going to get zero views. Right. I know that for sure. Yep. Will it be worth it to you? Will you get, I don't know what's worth it. Yeah. What's worth it to you? I get a couple hundred views on Home Gadget Geeks called the coach stuff I do for Gallup. They get a thousand or two. Is it worth it? Well, I know it'd be zero if I didn't have it out there. So it is free. It's bazillions of people on YouTube. And Jim gets a fair number of, you know, views. Again, we have to look in what to YouTube calls a view, but he is getting an audience there. You set it up once and it's free. I went over and looked at my numbers. And last month I had anywhere from 11 to 97 views on YouTube. Now, if I go into the 97 view, and I look at my analytics, you can see how far people have listened. And that, again, you have to be careful, can be very soul-crushing. And the average view duration was 38 seconds on an episode that was at least 30 minutes. The other thing I noticed is in my last episode, I have links to everyone who contributed to the question of the month, and I made the name of their show a link. That is not a link in YouTube Music. You would have to put the 100% full, including the HTTP, because I looked at the previous episode before that, and I had linked to Podgagement, and in the app, it shows www.schoolofpodcasting.com slash follow, and in YouTube Music, that link is not clickable. I'll have to double check and put a full one with the HTTP. I know if I went into YouTube and added it, and it shows up on YouTube, I'm not sure if it's going to show up in the app. Again, the goal here is, Yes, it's free. Yes, it is a way to be discovered, but it may not be as easy as you think to send people back to the mothership where they can hear your audio. Another quick stat, my actual YouTube channel where I make videos, I have over 3,000 subscribers. The channel that's just the still picture with audio, I have 160 subscribers on that channel. And again, I'm not here to poo-poo YouTube. I'm here to give you content so you can make a educated decision because there are people like Justin Jackson brought up a lot of really good points. Cause when you say I'm taking my podcast to the next level by starting video, what you're really looking to get into 
is this. To get started with a video podcast, you need a camera, you need lights, you need a nice microphone, you need a mixer, you need a computer, you need all sorts of background lighting. It's a lot of work. It's a lot of money. And all of that equipment and all of that setup is a distraction from what you should be focusing on when you're starting a podcast, which is, can I create compelling content that attracts an audience week after week or episode after episode? And of course, Justin Jackson is the guy behind the Media Host Transistor. And just to kind of piggyback on what he was saying, I added a teleprompter to my video setup. And it took me about three days to get it to where I know what I'm doing with it. And that's three days that I wasn't working on content. When you add later, maybe a stream deck, if you're going to do live streaming and you add on Ecamm or StreamYard, these are things you need to learn how to do. And that's why I say, if you have the time and the budget, then by all means do it. Because here's the flip side. If you start with video, you can multi-purpose that in many different formats, in many different places. If you start with audio, it's not as good when you try to take that audio and turn it into a video. So again, if you've got the time and budget and the patience to go through the learning curves, it's a great way. Again, I just don't want to have somebody go, I can't start my podcast because I don't want to do video. But when you start a YouTube channel, you're not taking your audio podcast to the next level. You're starting a YouTube channel. You are a YouTuber. And that means you're going to have to pay attention to the algorithm of YouTube. I watched some great success stories about YouTube. And then I found stories where this one girl, it's called uh, Burnout at 19. Her whole life's goal was to be a YouTuber. And you just see her literally melt down on YouTube because it's the pressure because you kind of always have to put out videos. You are a slave to the algorithm, and that's kind of a powerful word. I don't mean to offend anyone, but you are, like you do whatever the algorithm says, and if the algorithm changes and you lose your audience, you have no way to go, hey, that's not fair. In fact, when YouTube changed their algorithm, one YouTuber went to the California office and shot three people before taking their own life. So. That YouTube algorithm can add a lot of pressure. Again, it sounds like I'm not YouTube friendly. I myself am going to be doing more things in YouTube, but I'm also going to be tracking the bejesus out of it to see how much traffic is actually going to my goal. Again, getting back to knowing your why. My why is I want people to sign up at the School of Podcasting. So I'm going to track how much traffic did I send there, how many people signed up, if any, how long people are watching. And again, all that stuff requires what? Time. Time to analyze and see if it's going to work. But on the other hand, sometimes you got to try things just to see. But do you really have to try? Do you have to try YouTube? Do you have to try TikTok? And speaking of TikTok, let's bring that up with YouTube. And this is where everybody's going to go, oh, there's the curmudgeon. I'm sorry, I still believe, because, well, it's true, that a video on YouTube is not a podcast. Technically, and that's where I understand the audience doesn't technically care, but technically, a podcast is only a podcast when it has an RSS feed. And so there were some studies that came out of Sounds Profitable, and one of the things they asked their audience, they said, how do you know what you're watching is a podcast? And they said, because it'll say podcast on it, to which I then say, okay, remember how I said this is going to ruin all stats about podcasting in the future? Yeah, I rest my case because, well, I identify as a male model. I just told you I'm a male model, but guess what? I'm wrong. And instead of pushing back to our audience and educating the audience going, no, 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 I'm a YouTuber, we just let everybody call everything a podcast. I'll give you another example of this. Back in the day, country music was not the most popular form. So what did they do? All these kind of pop bands started throwing fiddles and banjos into their music and calling themselves country. In fact, there's a song by Michael Sweet that's called Everybody's Gone Country, including people like Steven Tyler from Aerosmith. They all put out country albums. Why? Because country is pop with a twang. 
And what do you know when you change the definition of what country music is? Now it's the most popular thing. Well, guess what? We changed the definition of what a podcast is. And what do you know? The most used app now is YouTube. The most, it's like, okay, so that's again, I I could kind of care less about this except for stats, except for making informed decisions. And they also mentioned Joe Rogan. They said, look, there are people and there's a group that we're looking at that will actually List, watch their show on Spotify and they'll watch it on YouTube. Yeah, that's the only way. If you want to get all of Joe's stuff, you have to watch in multiple places. And some people like me, I, I can take or leave Joe Rogan, but I catch a lot of his shorts. And that then leads me to, well, should I watch the whole thing? Because it's going to be about 15 hours long on Spotify. So I, I would love to see a, uh, a, what do you call it? A report on YouTubers now. Because that's going to be equally confusing. Are you a YouTuber or are you a podcaster? Because now they're the same thing. So that's what has me worried is now these reports that come out. And that's why people are saying you need to be on YouTube because it's the most popular thing. Why is it the most popular thing? Because podcasts are on there, but podcasts are not. You see where I'm going with this? It's made everything very muddy, very, very ugly. But why, why did YouTube do all this stuff? It's kind of weird. Well, this is what people are talking about. Let's talk a little TikTok. TikTok ad revenues are going to reach $6.83 billion. And by the way, that's something else I really hate. I would like to know the actual number. They were projected to reach $6.83 billion in 2023, which would be a 36% growth from 2022. Okay, but what did they actually hit? You know, I expect to lose about 50 pounds next year. Okay, but what did I actually lose? And people get really excited about expected. I'm like, okay, based on what? Remember, always question your source. But the two biggies used to be Facebook and Google. And when you have somebody coming in, taking billions of dollars of advertising, that's when YouTube was like, hey, guys, there's this thing called TikTok that's kind of eating our lunch on ads. What can we do to get people to talk about YouTube? What's hot? I don't know. Larry, what do you got? And Larry goes, I don't know. Podcasting's kind of hot. That's it. Everything on YouTube is now a podcast. So when they say you need to be on YouTube because it's the most popular, they've redefined podcasting, which makes YouTube the biggest app for podcasts, which aren't really podcasts. All this to say, going back to my main point about YouTube, I hate to hear people say, I have an idea for a podcast. And I hear it and I go, that's amazing. You're going to help a billion people with that. I can't wait to hear it. And they go, yeah, I just, I don't want to be on video. And I I can't, you know, you can't do a podcast without video. Yes, you can. You can definitely do a podcast without being on YouTube. End of soapbox. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. One report I like to look at because they've been covering the podcasting space forever is from Edison Research. It's called The Share of Ear. And they have said that people that have like heard the word podcasting, that went up 4% to 83%. That's 237 million people kind of understand what a podcast is. 64% have listened to at least one. That's up 2%. 42% have listened. They listen to a podcast on a monthly basis. That's up 4%. That's 120 million people. And setting a new high, 31% of people now are listening to podcasts on a weekly basis. That is 89 million people are listening to podcasts. And weekly podcast listeners actually have gone from listening to eight episodes a week to nine. So that's one times 89 million. So there are 89 million slots for your podcast to show up. Now I realize that's, uh, you're kind of like, eh, but I saw where there's like 4 million podcasts. Well, According to Podcast Index, there's 4,314,790. However, if you look at how many have released an episode in the last 90 days, so they put out one episode in the last 90 days, that is 455,000, which is 11%. If we look at shows that have released an episode in the last 60 days, that goes down to 9.3%. So don't get overwhelmed by, ah, podcasting is overcrowded. There are a lot of shows that haven't put out shows in a long time. Now, the other thing I saw that changed 
is, and this is from the Podcast Business Journal. Again, I'll have links to everything out at schoolofpodcasting.com slash 912. In October, there were 355,000 active shows. And again, that means an episode in 90 days. In December, that's down to 323,000, which is an 8% change. So according to Edison Research, listenership is going up, and yet the number of new podcasts to listen to is going down. So that means those that are hanging around, in theory, if, we, if math still works, should end up with more downloads. So I want to make a point here because, especially at the end of the year, there was a lot of negative press about podcasting. And mainly because Spotify was laying off people right before Christmas, which is mean. And many popular shows were being kicked to the curb, even though they were really popular. And all sorts of negative things were going on. And so people are like, man, podcasting is dead, which I hear about every three to four years. And then those that push through end up on the other side more successful. Here is a real-life example from the show The Feed, which is Libsyn's official podcast. And Rob is going to mention MGs. It stands for Minimum Guarantee. And here you'll hear about just stupid money in the space. And that's why people are losing their jobs. And we offered them what we thought was an aggressive MG. And it really relied on them growing a little bit more to make it break even for us. But we thought we could help them and, and help it grow a little bit and, and thought there was a chance it could work out. And we thought it'd be a good deal to have it. Spotify then came in and offered them 10x, over 10x what we offered them. Over 10 times what we offered on an aggressive deal. It was a stupid offer from an R advertising ROI. There was zero zip, not a chance that deal could ever make Spotify money. And so when this came out in a couple other places that it overpaid, People are like, man, podcasting's hurting. And that's kind of like picture a football team. I'm talking football in the U.S. And they trade away a bunch of draft picks and they spend a bunch of money to get like the absolute world's best quarterback. And then it turns out he stinks. He's not a team player. He's awful. And that team does really bad. And people go, that's it. The NFL is over. It's dead. It's like, no, there was one team owner that bet a lot of money and it didn't work. And I thank Spotify for helping us all learn that doing exclusive shows with celebrities does not work. We've also learned that doing, you know, open shows with celebrities in some cases doesn't work because, well, tell them, Glenn. Um, don't be boring. So the only way to fix that is to either A, raise the rates on your advertising. I like that idea. Or B, cut the number of employees. So they went to that. Now, why didn't they raise the price to their advertising? And that's the next thing we're going to talk about as to what's going on with YouTube and what's going on with advertising. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, and I have to be careful here. I'm just going to talk about what I know. I am by no means a guru when it comes to podcast advertising. But I do know this, that in some cases, a sponsor will sponsor a show for a very long period of time. And so all of a sudden, you sell them an ad spot. They sign a contract. They're going to pay you X amount of money. Let's just say it's whatever, $50 a show. Again, for easy math. You come back and you go, oh, wait a minute. We're not charging enough for our podcasts. We should have been charging them $150 an episode. Holy cow. Well, you can't go to that sponsor and go, hey, you know how we signed the contract and we agreed and we shook hands and all that? Yeah, we, uh, we need to triple your price. Yeah, they can't do that. So I think that's one of the reasons why they didn't do it. The other thing is, and I'm not sure why, there's a lot of fear about I'm going to put my ad next to somebody who says the word booger and then they're not brand safe and blah, blah. A lot of worry about brand safety. Here's something, again, said the guy who doesn't really understand deeply the advertising space. What if every podcaster just said the words and opinions of the podcast host don't necessarily reflect those of its sponsors? Would that solve that whole issue? I'm all for that, 
rather than having basically we're, we're inventing a whole industry for people to stalk podcasters on and off their show to make sure that you're brand safe. And to me, when I hear brand safe, I hear really boring, really, really vanilla shows. And one of the things that's going to go on in 2024 is there are two elections, one in the U.S. and one in Europe. So there's going to be a ton, a ton of advertising going into podcasting. So that's a good thing. So I'm very excited. You're going to hear how advertising is phenomenal in podcasting, and it will be in 2024 because of the bazillions of dollars from the political space coming into it. So I'm really interested to see what advertising is going to be like in 2025 when there is no election money coming in. And what I'm worried about is more and more media hosts have made it so where you can have dynamic content. So that means there is this huge supply, but if we don't have enough sponsors, that sponsor can go to show A and go, I'd like to pay you pennies, actually half a penny to advertise in your show. And you'd be like, no way, we want at least two pennies. And then they'll like, well, never mind. And they'll go to the next show and they're like, we would like to pay you half a penny to sponsor your show. And that person will go, eh, it's better than a poke in the eye. And they'll take it and it'll be a race to the bottom. I'm praying that doesn't happen. But as I look at the space, I'm like, it easily could. It did with, if you remember blogs, there used to be all sorts of ad revenue by having Google ads on your site. And that was just, again, everybody created a website and then they went, well, I'm going to pay you half a penny to be on your site. And you're like, no, no. And then somebody else said, well, it's better than a poke in the eye. So my, my message here is if you are a person that is taking ads, do not devalue your podcast, hold the door, hold the door, hold your spot and go, no, I will not take that for my podcast. I value my my content, I value my audience. I'm not going to put your unrelated ad in front of my audience for 0.002 cents per download. I'm just, for me, I'm not doing that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Since we're talking about CPM, if you've never heard that term, it means a price per thousand downloads. And so going back to YouTube for just a second, I didn't mention this before. If you want to monetize your YouTube channel, you have to have either a thousand subscribers, which from what I understand takes a little under the average person takes around 254 days, uh, according to studies. Obviously, that's going to vary widely based on your topic. Or you could have 4,000 public watched hours on long form videos in the last year. The average CPM, according to businesssolution.org, is between three and five dollars per thousand views. In my travels, I see anywhere from $2.35 to $3.89. And one last detail on Spotify. Spotify has said they now have, I think, a million video podcasts on their platform. Realize that when you put a video on Spotify, that video only goes to Spotify. If you take the RSS feed from Spotify and put it into, say, something like Apple, only the audio from the video will go to Apple. The video only goes to Spotify. I have about nine videos now on Spotify and I have seven total views of those nine videos. Now it's a niche show. It's Ask the Podcast Coach. I'm not doing any kind of promotion of it. I'm just saying, hey, if there's so many people on Spotify, then you would think this would show up. So again, just another one of everybody's like, oh, you gotta be videos here. Well. Maybe not so much. Now, some cool things about Spotify, just for the record, if you haven't tried their DJ service where they look at what you listen to, I clicked that thing. It kept feeding up song after song that I really liked. And if it was a brand new one, I probably liked it too. I love that. I love listening to audiobooks now on Spotify. So notice both of those are what? Listening. And I am confused why one of the top apps for listening, Spotify, keeps trying to get people to watch on their platform. And meanwhile, YouTube, the top platform pe for people watching stuff, is trying to get people to listen. We've said it with podcasting. When you try to be everything to everyone, you are nothing to everyone. It just doesn't work. 
Find out what you're good at and lean into your strengths. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we heard some people making lots of money say, when you start a podcast, you should be willing to do it for fun, for your passion, and then think about monetization. If you've got the bandwidth, the patience, the money, and the ability to push through a learning curve, absolutely start video and audio. But most people start audio first and then move to video. You don't have to spend a ton of money, by the way. There's a great app called Camo. I'll put a link in the show notes out at schoolofpodcasting.com slash 912, where you can turn your phone into a webcam. But focus on making the best podcast you can. Don't try to be the most downloaded. Try to be the most talked about. And instead of focusing on downloads, if you're trying to grow your audience, focus on how far people are listening because that will give you insights into, is my show good? Are you impacting? Is your show relevant to your audience? Remember, you don't benefit until your audience benefits. And when you first start off, you're going to have around 30 downloads per episode and you have to be okay with that. And you are if you have the passion and the willing to serve. Housekeeping, quickly. Number one, shout out to Matt Rafferty at theauthorinsideyou.com. Matt had submitted an answer to the question of the month last month. And to make a long story short, the message didn't make it. And so I appreciate that Matt took the time. Unfortunately, it just got garbled. So sometimes technology isn't your friend. So thanks, Matt, for that. Also, if you got a copy of the episode last week and there was just this weird where it just kept breaking and stopping every now and then, the the audio, not so much the, the play would stop, but just you'd get seconds of silence. It turns out, and it took me a while to figure this out, some of my plugins had deactivated and gone into their free mode, and the free mode put silence in every now and then so that you buy it. And the thing that really bugs me about this is I had figured out that, hey, it, it doesn't seem to do that if I do this on my Mac, and somehow it would do it when I was on my PC. So I exported the proper file with no weird silence issues on my Mac, and then uploaded the one from my PC with the issue. Yeah, that was total, because I listened to it. Remember, I always listened to the episode before I uploaded it, and I did, and then uploaded the wrong one. So my apologies for that, and uh, it has since been replaced, but if you are a person that is following the show, you probably got one of the collector's items, and if you would like to follow the show, it's super simple, it's free. Go to schoolofpodcasting.com slash follow. Until next week, Take care. God bless. Class is dismissed. Then there are to watch. I can't watch your podcast in YouTube. I can't. That doesn't make any sense, Dave. I can't watch your podcast on YouTube. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. Spotify. Is there even going to be a podcasting by the end of 2024? And should I leave that little flub in? Yes, I should. Or are you all over the place? Oh, it's a real humdinger. I sound like Axl Rose. Oh, sweet child of mine. Oh, yeah.